Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito. I was Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. I am Major Tom Neville in Revolution, and I played Sydney and the Mirror in Once Upon a Time, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. It's long and prosperous. This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 164. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are fresh off of Farpoint. Oh, yeah. A phenomenal time at Farpoint. We have some great memories of that. We're going to share them in our Sci-Fi 5 and 5 at the end of the show. Um, we'll share this. In fact, if you've been listening, to, if you listen to our listener feedback shows, we talk about this much more extensively uh, during that time than we will probably even in, in this show because this tends to be more of a news and interview show. We kind of have this one a little bit more structured. But we uh, will still uh, we'll share still, some Farpoint thoughts. Yeah, we have some good some good Farpoint thoughts. And it was good to be back at the con again and see some of you listeners and um, and just a bunch of people you, you don't typically see. That is true. And um, when you open up the doors and you get your badge and then you see the vendors selling all that cool stuff you like to buy, yeah, you just feel like you come to your second home. Right, right. And you just wish you'd keep pocketbook all to yeah. spend a lot of money. Exactly. So, But it's still wonderful to see. It is absolutely wonderful to see. So 164 episodes. Here we are tonight here at the diner. Prepared to, um, I was going to say prepared to be boarded. It doesn't really make sense in the light of the diner. But prepare to, you know, we're going to give you a menu of a bunch of different stuff. We're covering all sorts of stuff tonight. We even have a really great interview that we want to share with you. Miles, why don't you go ahead? Let's stop teasing him. What is on the menu tonight? Okay, we will have our interview with uh, Giancarlo Esposito that we did just a couple days ago. So, yes, um, not a long interview, but how do they know him? Uh, they will know him for playing uh, Major Tom Neville in Revolution. But if you're a fan of, of Breaking Bad, um, you'll know him for uh, his character. You know, he played a. Um, um, a, a very strong, critically acclaimed character there. Uh, also, uh, Once Upon a Time, he was the mirror image in yeah, that. Simon Glass. And uh, he, he's got a very impressive resume. Um, uh, mostly not sci-fi. Mostly but, not sci-fi. It, that is true. But the most recent stuff has been sci-fi. Yeah, sci-fi yeah. fantasy. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was a brief interview, but he gave us a really good interview. Um, and we'll talk about yep. kind of how we got that interview Probably right before. We'll do a little bit of introduction for it. Sounds good. And we do have a new trivia question this week. Oh, and we have some great loot that you will not want to miss. Yeah, we got some good loot this week. Uh, TV news. Uh, Did Moffat uh, just confirm that the 11 doctors will return for the 50th? That depends on how much money you give them, Miles. 
That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they gotta make it, he has to make it worth their while. Uh, Josh Whedon talks S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, pilot, and uh, Maria Hill's return says, It's a very hopeful show. Good. And movie news, uh, Ape sequel cast new leading man and reveals intriguing plot details. Uh, we have some, uh, what, we don't have it in here, in the, but we have some Han Solo news. We have some Han Solo news. Uh, yep. What else do we put in? Mortal Kombat news? In, in, in our web series news. Uh, and this week's twist, uh, Star Trek, uh, the game, um, and, and review of the latest uh, uh, Starship Farragut film. Um, we got a chance to uh, uh, talk to them a little bit at, at, a, at a Far Point this week, too, and I got to see some, some of their other latest stuff. Yeah, very good. And um, and then in our sci-fi five and five, we're talking Farpoint. We're talking Farpoint. Yep. yep. And that really that's that's a good premise. That's a good show, and um, we hope you enjoy it as we kind of sit here for the next hour and just chat about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we move into our trivia, Miles? Uh, we of course gave away our last trivia prize. It was that Trek collection of mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. That 100-page comic book. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And um, tonight we are giving away something equally as awesome, if not maybe more awesome. This is a full poster from Star Trek Twelve. Yes, this is a this is a. So what is it about? It's about it's about three by five. Yeah, uh, maybe three by four. It is a huge poster. Like it covers a good portion of the wall. It's a picture. It's a picture you've been seeing as you've been advertising the film. Right. It's Benedict Cumberbatch, and then you see that. In the debris, the outline of the Delta Shield. So, right, uh, looks fantastic, and uh, we'll be giving away a, a DVD copy of uh, Starship Farragut's latest production, The Price of Anything. Yeah, and it is <coughs> awesome. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's an awesome look and awesome feel. I watched it on, as I'll talk about a little bit later on, but HDTV, and it was phenomenal. Really good look for it. But anyway, so that's what we're giving away, mm-hmm. and uh, they, of course, we aren't just giving it away. They have, we we make, we like to make them work a little bit for this miles. So that is true, and. Um, uh, so we're going to make you work for it. By the way, deadline for this, we're looking really probably the uh, big, the um, middle of March, I'm guessing right now, is kind of where we're at. So about the middle of March is when you want to get this trivia in by. So if you're listening to this and any time in the next few weeks, you still can buy for that trivia. I think some people don't realize that. As we'll say, oh, well, it's too late. I've been listening to this. It's never too late to send your answer in. It's worth, it's worth a shot. It's folks. worth a shot. Typically, mm-hmm. we try to give a month for the trivia. So... What question do they need to answer to get this awesome prize? Okay. We, we know Tony Amendola for his work on Stargate SG-1 and now recently in Continuum. However, he was also a guest star in a Star Trek series. Uh, you, our listeners, need to tell us what uh, Star Trek series did Tony Amendola guest star in. Mm, mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Um, I'll give you a hint. IMDb can be your friend here. It's not a hard. It's not a hard question. With the internet, it's you know you could you could, you could find the answer. <laughs> and uh, we have, do we have a code word for yes. tonight? I just thought of one. The code word is tritonin. Tritonin. Mm-hmm. Tritonin. So include the code word tritonin. Don't ask me how to spell it. Um, in your email or voicemail, you can email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can also call in at your answer at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. We will not play that in the show um, unless, of course, you win, and then we might play it. But other than that, we won't. Um, you can you can DM us on Twitter if you want, and we're just sci-fi diner there as well, and that would also work. Um, so very good. That sounds like a great prize pack, and Mm -hmm. we look forward to that, and very good. Let's move into our first promo tonight. You know, this weekend at Farpoint, we got a chance to hang out with a fellow podcaster, someone that's been on the show before. Right, he uh, did our movie review of Terminator. Yes, uh, so him and Keith, his friend, so David Moulton, um, came with us to the con. Uh, Really, he came in to fill my absence. I was at the con Saturday, so I did the 
Esposito uh, interview, but the rest of the interviews were done by uh, David and Miles because I wasn't there and Miles wanted a sidekick. So we dressed David up in spandex and mm-hmm. Miles in a cape. And a cape. Yep. At Miles in a cape, and um, they went and interviewed guests Sunday, and so he was a part of that. And he is David runs a podcast with Keith called The Landcast that kind of focus uh, focuses on telling the stories of ordinary people. But we often find out that ordinary people have their own uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And so it isn't necessarily sci-fi related, although they do do their geek nights where they they do. So they have some of that. Um, But I would encourage you to check out their podcast if you get a chance. It is Lancast, L-A-N-C-A-S-T, Lancast. And um, Dave is just a great guy. It was good to hang out with him. It was. And um, he brought some of his own equipment, which... I think it'll make the sound quality of our interviews uh, even even better. Yeah, we really should bring our own equipment, Miles. <laughs> to shortly, we should do that. So, but, um, but that, that, that was a big help. Yeah, absolutely. And. We are back. Well, let's move in tonight to our first piece of TV news. And can I read this, Miles? I think you should. Because, I mean, I was the one at the con that was stepping out of the TARDIS, right? That is true. I was coming out of the TARDIS. Um, keyword, out of the, the, the TARDIS, not the closet, Miles, okay? Just so you know. Make sure, make sure you make that clear. There's a distinction, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I put it on Facebook. I said, you know you're at a sci-fi convention when you step out of the TARDIS. And I said, well, when you step out of TARDIS, period, you know, you're right. outside. Right. You don't need any more, you don't need any more explanation uh, of that. But um, Moffat just might have confirmed that all 11 doctors will return for the 50th. And uh, I made the comment earlier that surely, well, it depends on how much you'll pay them, right? Right. You know, most money talks, right? But uh, anyways, here's the story. And uh, this comes from, uh, from Dan Roth. And he says this, the always elusive Moffat, Moff, I guess, may have just spilled the pr- proverbial beans. People spoil things about their shows all the time. Not Stephen Moffat, though. He's a crafty sort, likes to lie, torture Doctor Who fans, give a cold stare every now and then. It's traumatizing. Apparently, though, while at the BBC Drama Commission's event, Moffat actually, <gasps> gasp, said something about the show's 50th anniversary special. A telling something, no less. Getting the other doctors involved would be very fitting for the anniversary episode, wouldn't it? If that had come from anybody else, we might say, eh, so what? Big deal. But this is Moffat we're talking about. Or Moffat. Is it Moffat? Stephen Moffat. I think it's Moffat. Moffat, yeah. Yeah, Moffat. I like that. I like Moffat better. I'm going to call him Stephen Moffat and just totally annoy the heck out of our listeners. No, but but Stephen Stephen Moffat, uh, this is what we're talking about. And this man doesn't say things that are not calculated. So when he says the multiple Doctor story would be fitting, that means it's almost definitely happening. He could be lying, as aforementioned. mentioned. He does that. But it's hard to imagine anyone, even even Moffat, Faking out on something that big. So what do you think? Are you off base here? Or did Moffat just confirm that the 11 Doctors are really happening? I think a lot of Whovians would be very happy about that. Yeah, the question I have for you Whovians out there, right, is would do do you think they're going to bring in as well multiple companions? Because, you know... uh, 
there's so Martha, there's Rose, there's, there's Amy Pond, there's a, those are the most recent ones. And of course, I haven't watched Old Who, but there's what Sarah Jane, right? Mm-hmm. And there, there are so many companions of Doctor Who that we could easily bring in some of them as well. It could be a big corporate mess if you do that, but trying to keep everyone straight. But well, uh, yeah, that's uh, in one show. I mean, they'd have, they have to make it like a two-parter or something. Oh, uh, maybe. Well, mm-hmm. we could do. I could do it with a three-parter. Heck, make it a four-parter. <laughs> I'm all for it. Just give me more Who. Mm-hmm. All right, just give me more Who. Can never have enough, uh, enough Who. By the way, that TARDIS I stepped out of at the convention was not bigger than the inside. I just want to say that. Yes, we still haven't figured out how to do that yet. Yeah, not yet. All right, why don't you take this next story? Well, Joss Whedon talks a S.H.I.E.L.D. A pilot and, and Maria Hill's return uh, says it's, it's very hopeful. Though we're, we're still halfway through the current 2012-2013 uh, TV season, many fans are already looking full ahead to the coming uh, fall when they hope uh, Marvel's S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series will be gracing the small screen. Yeah, but I hope, because it's not ordered yet. But... Right. ABC ordered a pilot for the spinoff show that revolves around the ongoings of the uh, 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 tightly agency and the impeccably talented Joss Whedon came aboard to, to co-write and direct said pilot. We know that the show takes place after the events of the Avengers, and we'll see the return of Clark Gregg's Agent Coulson, hopefully not as a ghost Coulson, but beyond brief descriptions of the new cast of characters, the overall premise for the show has been kept tightly under wraps. We didn't recently spoke a, a bit about the potential show. ABC would be crazy not to pick the, the pilot up to the series, but they have, haven't made a decision just yet. Talking about the show's connection to the Marvel Universe and describing it as a very hopeful in relation to Network TV's other programs. We did also elaborate on a possible appearance by uh, uh, Kobe Smulders' Agent Maria Hill and spoke a bit about how Marvel's cinematic characters fit into the TV show's universe. Hit the jump to read on. Speaking with TV Line, Whedon talked about how the show stands out in network television landscape filled with grim, violent procedurals. I'm excited about the show because it's a very hopeful show. It's not about murder, and it's not about crime. It's not about people looking into their own belly buttons. It's about people who are trying to help each other, and that's one of the things I loved about the comic books. They had costumes, and the villains were cool, but they stood for something, and I like doing a show that does that. Whedon went on to say that fans shouldn't expect a ton of familiar faces from Marvel Universe to pop up, but he did admit that there's a little talk of that as the series goes on. Right now, I want to involve people in the characters that we've created for the show, we said, and we'll worry about the other stuff. Um, speaking of which, rumors recently surfaced uh, that Kobe uh, Smulders' Agent Maria Hill character from the Avengers might be making an appearance in The Shield. The actress herself said there was a definite talks about the prospect, but her commitment to CBS series, How I Met Your Mother, means she would not... All- which would only be available for brief appearances on S.H.I.E.L.D. We didn't confirm as much when uh, asked about uh, Smolder's involvement. We didn't caution that Smolder's schedule will permit very little involvement, but we, if we get a hold on her anytime, we will. As pilot season winds down, we should hear a decision uh, on another regarding S.H.I.E.L.D.'s series pickup by ABC soon. But again, it's highly unlikely that the network will pass on this show. This is a Excellent opportunity to capitalize on the Avengers' massive success, and Whedon's involvement ensures the the quality of Shield will be up to snuff. Yeah, and here's the thing: it's Whedon, it's just freaking Whedon. Uh, here's he, you know, despite this track record, he still has Buffy and Angel, which were fairly long running shows. Yep. He has Serenity that has gained such a cult following, and while Dollhouse maybe lacked luster that maybe some of his other shows did. He has now Avengers in his pocket. He's Cabin in the Woods. It was also critically acclaimed. There's ABC would be pretty. I think they would. It would be safe to say they'd be out of their minds not to pick this up, um, unless the pilot just fell apart. 
They, yeah. It's really, I mean, it's Joss Whedon, it's Joss Whedon right? Right, and, and Avengers made a ton of money, and... It's very true, and he 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 has shown uh, he he could he, he could do the job if if he if he's given the resources he could do the job. Uh, I, I just think there are just too many things against him with uh, Firefly and Serenity. Yeah, um, but they're both critically acclaimed. Um, so we just have to hope and pray ABC will see the light and well at least sign uh, off. yeah at least all, at least it's not Fox. At least it's not Fox. Yeah, <laughs> then then his chances would be you know his chances are even better. We joke about Fox. Fox is, Fox did well by Fringe, you know, when you with that. But mm-hmm. um, all that to say, I, you know, this is this is great. I love the idea of bringing uh, Maria Hill. I just looked her up again just to get a look at her beautiful face. She's a beautiful agent. It'd be great to have her in. Mm-hmm. She of course was from the Avengers, and I and I think I heard somewhere that um, where I met your mother might. It's it's possible that that they're probably going to be um, they'll wrap up the show eventually. I mean, next season or so. Is she also in that? That's yes. That's her main. That's her main. That, thing. That's her main thing, and so that that's why it would limit her appearances on uh, on on the on uh, Shield. Yeah. Well, you know, even a little bit here and there, if you can ever make a brief appearance, that would be that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, this is you know. I'm going to tell you. This is out. I'm buying the entire season. You don't need you don't need a question. I'm there. Okay. Uh, you 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 hooked me right. Um, but all right, well, let's move into our, some other news. We have a web series that you and I watched at least part of it was, did you, did you watch Mortal Kombat Legacy? You know what? I never did. I, I did. Mm-hmm. I did and loved it. It was Jerry Ryan. It was Tamal Pennicott. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have some of these notables in and there is a, the, people loved it so much. They're doing a season two. Oh, okay. And so. That's pretty freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. So I have some. I have a trailer for it that I'm going to play, but let me just read a little bit of the story. This is really the first footage we got from season two, uh, really of this kick-ass web series, the Mortal Kombat Legacy. So here's what it says. Filmmaker Kevin Tach, Tach, Tankeron uh, was given control of the Mortal Kombat franchise after putting together one of the coolest fan films ever. Now he's revealed the first look at season two of the web series Legacy. The first season focused a lot on introducing the characters, while season two looks more like it should get into the actual meat of Mortal Kombat. Considering Tancheron is also uh, prepping a feature-length combat film about an average Joe thrust into the tournament, it's nice to see he hasn't lost touch with what got him the gig in the first place. Here's a synopsis of for season two. The Mortal Kombat Legacy continues in season two as... Liu Kang, Kung Lao, Kenshi, and Emmerich join the ranks. The rivalries and histories of these fierce warriors will unfold as Raiden and his recruits clash against the dark forces of the outworld. The epic battle for Earth Realm has finally begun. Check out the trailer below, and let me tell you what, let's go ahead and play that trailer, Miles. Let's do it. Get over here. There's a flood coming through, gang. And I'm 
am offering you a place on the Ark. surviving you know very cool i i really i really am enjoying you know it's very martial arts based um very much like the video games i guess you know but it was very uh very action oriented there's a sci-fi bent to it mm -hmm. and um I really felt like I was playing like one of the Tekken video games, something like that, mm. because that's the way it kind of feels. I like it. I'm missing Jerry Ryan in the previews. Right. I mean, uh, this is we have a picture of her in, the, in this article. So it's a little bit deceptive, mm -hmm. uh, maybe, or maybe she is there, and we just don't have the full story. Maybe these are the introduction to the new characters of the new storyline. Interesting, but nonetheless, uh, well worth checking out. If you did not see Mortal Kombat Legacy, I would say check it out. Last season. Slightly different storyline, uh, but, but as I say, we're getting into the meat of the story here. So um, if you watched it, let us know what you thought of Mortal Kombat Legacy and if you're looking forward to a season two. All right, Miles, why don't we move into the next story that we have? We have some movie news about Planet of the Apes. Um, both Scott and I had watched the movie and we enjoyed it immensely. And, um, and the rise, really and, the rise of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and hoping that... Um, there will be a sequel. So, Ape's sequel cast, new leading man, reveals intriguing plot uh, details. Looks like there are a couple big changes coming for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. For one thing, there's a new star. Say goodbye to James Franco and say hello to Jason Clark. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Clark just nabbed the lead role in the Ape sequel, which will be directed by Cloverfield's Matt Reeves. Though you might have, have seen him in flicks like Public Enemies and the short-lived series The Chicago Code, Clark is best known these days as his work as a tough CIA interrogator and Catherine Bigelow's acclaimed and controversial Zero Dark Thirty. It's a breakout role that was bound to land Clark plenty of other acting opportunities. And he's apparently decided his next big job should be sci-fi. But that's not the only big news here. Most of Dawn's uh, plot will likely remain a secret until we're, we're a good bit close to the release. Uh, but uh, the THRs are reporting a few new talented details to go along with the news that Clark is coming aboard. For one thing, this sequel will be set 15 years after the events of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and it will feature at least two major plot lines. One will include a group of scientists fighting to survive in a San Francisco, which, if you recall, took quite a pounding from the apes in the first film, while another will follow, follow ape resistance leader Caesar, played by Andy Serkis, as he tries to maintain authority over the apes. Where does Clark fit in? We don't know yet, but this certainly sounds like a combustional mix of elements. 
Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is expected to begin filming, uh, shooting sometime this spring, and hopefully a 2014 release date. So I don't know much about Clark, but I've heard good things about Zero Dark Thirty. I mm-hmm. haven't seen it. Did you see it in theaters? I, I have not, but I, I heard it was good too. Yeah, so it's something I might rent mm-hmm. maybe sometime. But Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I loved Rise. And um, I kind of miss the fact that James Franco is not going to be in it. Um, I, I thought they did a pretty good job, and I was thinking, you know, maybe why a different casting choice. But it looks like if they're going ahead 15 years, maybe they want to. And maybe little... that's maybe that they can easily explain away the fact that he's not here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing it could have also practically could have been that James Franco just didn't want to do it. That could be. He's a busy guy. He's got lots of projects going on. So, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I am looking forward to it. I thought that Rise was an incredible redemption to the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes. Oh, it definitely redeemed the franchise, and, yeah. And, 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 you know, I own Planet of the Apes on DVD, and I enjoy I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but it did, it did in, in retrospect, kind of not hold up quite the way we were hoping it would. I agree, yeah. And, uh, and whereas Rise of Planet of the Apes was pretty freaking awesome. Oh, it was. It, it was just... Just a better written movie, um, and you could just you definitely you could definitely sympathize with Caesar in that in the, that movie. Yeah. Well, we have some uh, some Star Wars news. We we like bringing Star Wars news, don't we? Absolutely. And we like bringing this Star Wars news because Harrison Ford just might be bringing Han Solo back. And that, and rumors have it that this is actually pretty much of a done deal. That's that's my understanding. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, we ran Han Solo at the con, didn't we? Well, <laughs> I, actually, I, I think Jason said it was, it was more like Hannah Solo. <laughs> yeah, it's probably Hannah Solo. Yes. So there was but, a lot of that going on. Yeah, I think that's a trend in in cosplay this this time around. Um, the ladies are dressing up as um, the the male characters, but. This would be like the female counterparts version, right. I guess. But um, hey, and I'm all for that. No, it's it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's good in the eye, but um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so Blaster came out with this story. Uh, this is from uh, Nathalie Karen, and she just reported that uh, here's kind of the story. Whoa, is Harrison Ford's return to Star Wars Episode Seven as our favorite space smuggler, besides Firefly Captain Mal, that is, Han Solo a done deal? If we believe the scoop over at Latino Review, Harrison Ford's return as a roguish Han Solo is apparently a done deal. Again, I'll believe it when people say it. You know, JJ hasn't said he's officially <laughs> directing as he says it. I'm not. Do we hear it from the yeah. horse's mouth? Yep. Uh, not only that, but apparently the deal is big, though they have no details to give. Just a few months back, Ford was reported to have been quite open to the idea of reprising the role of Han Solo, but only if he would have to, if you got, if you only got to have a death scene. In the early drafts of Return of the Jedi, the character was indeed set to meet his maker, but as we all know, it never happened. Ford said to ABC back in 2010, "I thought he should have died in the le- in the last one to give it some bottom." George Lucas didn't think there was any future in a dead in dead Han toys. So what do you think of the news? Do you believe the return of Harrison Ford as Han in the J.J. Abrams-directed Star Wars Episode Seven is truly a done deal? Or do you, like us, prefer to get the official confirmation from Disney before we start up that Coruscant Cantina music and start doing the happy dance? <laughs> um, so, Miles, where are you at with this? I think he's going to sign on. I think he'll, he'll, he'll do it. I mean, in, in one thing, nothing against Harrison Ford, but... He has 
the last thing I remember seeing seeing he was doing was Cowboys and Aliens. Oh yeah, he hasn't. I, I I hate to say this, but he hasn't had a real a hit in a long time. And Cowboys and Aliens got some pretty critical acclaim. It got critical acclaim, but I don't think it made the money in the box office they were hoping for. No, but I'm going to tell you what. If someone could give him a death scene, I think JJ could. Right. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine seeing Chewie back on the screen? Han. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be it would be it would be a fanboy's delight. For those of us who are, um, you know, fans of the original three, this is you know this would be good. Yeah. I mean, come on. And honestly, if you can bring the start the original Star Trek group back when they're sixty. To film a movie, you can bring back, you can bring back the old Star Wars crew to some degree. Yeah, this is the only thing I'm th- I'm thinking. I mean, moving. I, I, I with what J J did with Star Trek is he he started from the he used new, new younger actors to play our heroes. I just I wonder if that's what he he plans on doing with with episode. Well, seven. see, Star Trek was kind of a rebooting of the franchise. If we're looking, if we're talking Star Trek Seven, we're talking of a continuation of the franchise. So it is a bit different. At least it seems a bit different. Well, it, it, here, but in 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 one small sense, it is a bit of a reboot in a way because the last one movie was um, episode three, and how, how long that was about good five years ago. Oh man, it was more than that. Yeah, so ten, um, ten years ago. Wow. This, I mean, I mean, Disney wants to make Star Wars movies, so this, you know. It, the, the lines are blurry between continuation and reboot, but I, I would think that that JJ would probably want maybe use the, 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 the those core characters instead of creating new characters. That I, I don't know, but but the, de- the details are so sketchy right now. It's it, there's it, such a grand mythology that extends beyond the movies. There's so much to draw in. He can totally create something new and just you know uses as a base, but. Here's the thing about the original six Star Wars movies. The characters were continuations in all cases. You know, the whole from movie one to movie six, the characters are familiar. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have, if you want to tie this movie in, you're going to need to tie in some of the older characters into the new franchise. Right. You can't just start off from scratch with new characters with only references to them. People are going to want to see their characters aged and old. And so it makes sense to pull in the old actors, in my opinion. Sure, could he reboot the whole thing? Maybe, but this is—I think it's—I think it's harder to do with with Star Wars because the story was linear uh, versus Star Trek, not necessarily. Where are we at? Oh, uh, we were still talking about Star Wars. Um, whether what JJ's going to do? Yeah. Well, um, so I don't know. I just think mm-hmm. that you, I think like with Star Trek, it's a bit easier to do a series that, you know, jumps around. They were much more individual episodes. It wasn't like you were a huge story arc like the the, the six movies of Star Wars was. Now, in the movies for Star Trek, you had an arc mm-hmm. to some degree, but not like not like Star Wars. What I'm wondering is, will he maybe, when I say re- reboot, I'm, I'm very careful when I use that word. Start from where Return of the Jedi ends, just so he he can do whatever he you know wants. So you'll need new actors and fresh actors that look similar enough, like he did in Star Trek, mm-hmm. but aren't necessarily the same people. Well, there there was um, an article online a couple weeks ago about 
who who would play you know who could play Han Solo, and who could right, yeah. All right, well, let's move into our twist, Miles. All right, and this week in the twist, we go behind the scenes in explosive Star Trek, uh, the game it's been called so far. Now, have you played any of the Star Trek video games? I know you played Star Trek Online for a little bit. Um, I played on online, but before that, I did play some of the, the CD-ROM games. Um, uh, Star Trek Voyager, Elite Force, um, and Star Trek, you know, Elite Force Two, and um, Star uh, Starfleet Academy. So I've played those games. They go back a ways. They do. They mm-hmm. do indeed. Well, this is about the new video game that's tied into Star Trek Twelve, right? Right. We're giving away that awesome poster that mm-hmm. you want to get, and you want to send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. But go ahead. So this. We, we guess today is Star Trek Day because we already had a brand new and rather explosive behind-the-scenes featurette. But this time, it's, it's, it's the upcoming and awesome-looking video game. Re- replaced by Namco Bandai, the thrilling new featurette titled uh, Making the Game Part 1 teases the very cool co-op mo- mode for the upcoming video game. It has lots of new footage, and we, we get some um, awesome scenes and dialogue between Kirk, uh, voiced by Chris Pine, and, and Spock, voiced by... Uh, Zachary Quinto, as the proverbial cherry on our Sunday, it would also appear that we may have samples of uh, Michael uh, Giacchino's uh, soundtrack for the game. Uh, Giacchino scored both Star Trek movies, uh, 09, and the upcoming Star Trek Into Darkness, as well as a bunch of TV shows, including Lost and Fringe. Right, well, I'm looking forward to it. Well, here's the trailer for the video game. Excited by the Star Trek film in 2009, we got together and said, how do we bring this into the gaming space? We knew that we wanted to play the characters that we love, Kirk and Spock. Kirk is this brash cowboy character, where Spock is the exact opposite. I like this one. There are a few that you do not like, Captain. When you break down Star Trek into those elements, you had to make a co-op game. There was no other game we could possibly make. Take cover! great gameplay. You actually get to be Kirk and walk around the Enterprise. You get to go to the bridge. You get to sit in the captain's chair and give orders to your crew. Mr. Scott, prepare to transport. Aye, aye, sir. Energize. Spock is very logical and methodical and decides, no, we're going to have to do this smarter. We're going to have to use stealth. It's those kind of moments that make the player feel like they're living the Star Trek world. Not only are we a third-person shooter, but we're an accident-adventure game. We have great skydives and space dives. You can play as the Enterprise. Prepare to engage hostiles. You're going to feel like you actually were in the middle of a great, authentic Star Trek adventure. If we weren't trying to save the entire universe, this might actually be fun. All right, available April 23rd, 2013, right before the new movie comes out mm-hmm. for Xbox and PS3. This looks pretty awesome. It looks like it'd be a lot of fun. 
You know, and now if only I owned one of those gaming systems. Right. You know, I own a Wii, but you know, I don't know if it's coming out for the Wii and PC. Some of these games eventually make the transfers onto the PC platform. But being able to play a video game as Kirk and Spock, I mean, two of the most iconic characters in Star Trek, that's freaking awesome, Miles. Yeah, and the graphics on this are extremely impressive, very lifelike. Um you know, Pine and Quinto lend their voices to the characters, so you have that. Even Scotty, I think. Is yeah. Scotty's voice in there? I, I don't know. They didn't say they got Simon Pegg, but it sounds it could it could be him. Uh, it could just be a voiceover actor playing Simon Pegg. That's true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's this is something I wouldn't mind owning. Yeah, so I don't know. If any of you are going to get this or play it, you'll have to let us know how the story plays out. But you're doing all the cool things that we saw in, in Trek 11 and we're seeing some previews are in, the, in, in, in trailers of them leaping off of things and, you know, flying down like we saw them on Vulcan, right? Um, fighting the aliens and the ship, sneaking around, doing mind melds. This is a fanboy's dream. I, I would like to see if you get to, if there, because we only got to see, we didn't get to see a lot of the ship, um, in the, in the first movie, I wonder if in the game if they have more stuff on the ship. Yeah, I mean, far. how much of the ship can you explore? The fact that you get to sit in the captain chair as Kirk. Oh yeah, this this is close to channeling Kirk as you're going to get or Spock, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, they're, they're, seriously, it looks pretty cool. I'm excited about it, even though I probably won't play it. Yeah, if if if, if they make it available on PC, I might eventually might pick it, it up. Mm-hmm. Might pick it up. Very good. Well, let's move into our next Trek story. What else is happening on this week in Star Trek? So we get uh, Trek 2 reveals new footage in Relentless First Look featurette. Ooh, yeah. So and tell us about this. So this is what we have. We have uh, Paramount has released a thrilling official Star Trek Into Darkness First Look featurette that, that's so action-packed that you may want to hold on to something. The goal for this movie was to, to, to be up there on ante as much as we could. Lofty words from our main director, J.J. Uh, Abrams, and from the looks of the uh, trailer and this intense actionary first look featurette on the highly anticipated Star Trek sequel. It looks like he may well have succeeded. The almost one minute, 30 second uh, gripping video is chock full of action scenes and breathtaking sequences, as well as perfectly awesome footage. There's also a little something for the ladies and the romantics of heart, since we get more, more smooch time between Spock and, and Uhura. Ooh la la. Who and, wants to smooch? I'd like to smooch Uhura. Go ahead. Go ahead. Who wouldn't? Oh, <laughs> and we also have Abrams, Quinto, Saldana, and Chris Pine um, talking about the upcoming tentpole movie. Quinto, fresh from his recent stint on American Horror Story, Asylum, calls it stunningly beautiful, while Pine, who plays Captain Kirk, calls it relentless. Shall we begin? We should. We should. Now... Here, here's my only thing. I'm hoping this is not the feature that we did see. We played one like two weeks ago, we right? We played one two weeks ago. But so. this seems to be new. So we're going to find out because I haven't actually watched it yet. You haven't watched it yet, right? If, 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 no. All right. The goal for this movie was definitely to up the ante as much as we could. There were a lot of characters that people were anticipating seeing. Kirk and Spock. Bones, Scotty, Uhura, Chekhov, and Sulu. I am more excited than I can tell you. The action in this movie, the scale of the movie, is light years beyond what we did in the first movie. It was pretty magical to see what they were able to create this time. I think it's stunningly beautiful. 
The word I keep on coming back to is just relentless. There's one thing after another, after another, after another. This is the kind of film that 3D was made for. Without question, the IMAX and the 3D of it, I think, will give viewers yet another level of excitement. This movie was the most fun and challenging experience that I've had. This is like everything I've ever done wrapped in one movie. You know, I think that may have been the feature we we played before. It sounds familiar, feels mm. familiar. It does, but it's still. Um... But let me, but but come on, any excuse we have mm. in this show to play just a little bit of Star Trek Miles, we aren't going to complain. Uh, not me. You know, hey, I'll watch Ahura kissing Spock and pretend I'm Spock. Right? <laughs> I wonder if in the video game that you get to kiss Ahura as Spock, because I'm I'm going to go out and buy it then. Listeners, if any of you get the game, let us know. Yeah, let let us know. Let us know. <clears throat> of course, as surely we could we could get maybe Spock kissing Kirk. I'm just kidding. Um, hey stop, hey, stop, hey, stop, hey, stop. Hey, All right. Hey. All right. <clears throat> um, but I'm excited about this. I'm always excited when I see the Star Trek footage. I can't wait. This yeah, is going to be a great movie. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I yeah, can't wait. By the way, we don't have this in here, but Jurassic Park 3D? I didn't know they are coming out with a Jurassic Park movie. I, I, that's news to me too. Three D. I have the poster hanging in my classroom. We got it at Farpoint. This has nothing to do with Trek, by the way. It's just a little rabbit trail. But well, I guess we're getting. I guess we're in, it's no surprise. Really, we're getting another Jurassic Park movie. Well, it's not another one. It is a re-release of the original one in three D. Oh, okay. That's not really a surprise either. <laughs> no, it's not. It's twentieth anniversary. Twenty uh, years since they're going to milk the three D thing for as oh, much. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. and. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, did want to say one other thing in the twist that we don't have mentioned here, but um, at Farpoint this year, we met up with a guy from Starship Farragut, right? Right. And they had available there um, their DVD. What, what is it called? It's right. called uh, The Price of Anything. Yeah, The Price of Anything. I'm holding it in my hands, and we're giving it away as a prize. But I had a chance to watch this thing for the first time last night. And I watched it on high-definition television. And... It was pretty awesome. Uh, it looked... I've watched some of Farragut's stuff before. I watched it in high definition. This looked much better. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're using to film this. I'm not sure it says here in the back as I'm looking. But the picture quality was phenomenal. The storyline was good. And it looked like classic Trek, which is mm-hmm. what they're about. Right. What they do is, if you aren't familiar with Farragut, they are the, they are the crew that they put together basically what is the equivalent of a fan film. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, support them by donating. But basically, they're just kind of continuing Trek and, and uh, telling the story in the way old Trek did it. So... At times, old Trek seems a bit cheesy now. Well, this time seems a bit cheesy, but it's really well done. Yeah, they definitely up the production values in this. I mean, the exterior shots of the ship, any space battles, they're going to use more use modern, oh, absolutely um, CGI to So it's so it so it, you know it, it was it's, it's something that'll hold up today as far as as far as that goes. But um, they went to Vasquez Rocks and filmed some scenes. So they really you know, like I said, they 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 went above and beyond to really, to. to uh, to, to really make this uh, special. Yeah, and I was impressed. Mm-hmm. I was impressed. Um, 
that the whole father son story, while maybe they maybe that's not original, um, and them having to work together, and maybe that's kind of cliche, carries off itself in a new new way and it's kind of fresh in the Star Trek franchise. I feel because mm-hmm. um, do we ever get any? Do we ever get Kirk? You know, doing with his being with his father? Not no. really. No. Nope, never. So this is kind of fresh to have a Star Trek captain, you know, playing with his father, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the closest we get to that is in Generations when you get Picard working with, with Kirk, Kirk yeah. right? And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing in this place. And I guess, likewise, you could make a comparison that, they're, they, that they, too, are kind of stranded on this planet, but a little bit different in this one. But we get um, classic uh, Trek Romulans in this in this yeah, uh, episode. Yeah. So if you're used to seeing the modern Romulans, get that picture out of your head. This is classic Trek Romulans. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, if you're a fan of classic Trek, I think Farragut does a, does a really good job of um, um, t- telling their stories in, in the spirit of uh, classic Trek. And if you don't get anywhere to see Farragut and the one order in line, just uh, answer our trivia question this week, and we're giving this away along with the Star Trek Twelve poster, and you can it can be yours. I can stop knocking my microphone, but it can be—it can be—it can definitely be yours. Anything else in this week in Star Trek? I think we covered it. This All week. right, very good. Well, let's move in to our last promo tonight, and our last promo is for tuning into Sci-Fi TV podcast, Kevin Batchelder's podcast. We haven't had Kevin on in a long time. We're gonna have to tap him to do us uh, a Sci-Fi Rewind again sometime. Right. I know that he's very busy, but we would love to have him back in the show and. Let me tell you, they are the TV show. This this podcast is the one that will take every modern show, sci-fi show that's on TV, and dissect it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't do that. We aren't watching a lot of the stuff, and so we rely on you guys when we do that in our listener feedback show and the few shows that we're watching. But it's not exhaustive. You want something exhaustive, you go to Tuning in Sci-Fi TV. True. So they do a very good job. So here's a promo for Tuning to Sci-Fi TV podcast. Ghost infected Frank. He passed it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, Matt? I'm not an aggressive person, but... Ugh, man, there's just way too much on all I these like channels. Things, but only in-game. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this one! In your dreams, Matloaf! Bite my shiny metal hat. Sometimes I get, I get vision. Walter, what are you doing? What you learn? I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? We are back. We are about ready to share a very short interview that we did with Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. We got it to John 
It sounds it sounds like wait, we're Spanish, right? Giancarlo Esposito. He's half Italian and half African American. <laughs> yeah, he's it sounds Spanish, but it's definitely the Italian name that he's going for, right? Right, but I, I think it, that sort of lends um, his ability to do different kind of roles. He does. He's not limited just by playing an African American. He play absolutely a, some of Spanish or. Italian. Uh, it gives him a unique look too. It does. Yeah. My wife compared him to Obama, looking sort of like that, and I, I can see that because my wife watched yeah. Revolutions with me, the very first episode. Okay. And so he was in that, and that's mm-hmm. where she kind of drew the conclusion from. She knew who I was talking about when I said we interviewed him. Mm-hmm. Um, but so let, let's back up. We had confirmed on our schedule that we were going to interview him, and then. We had a bunch, everyone Everyone at Farpoint we were going to see was going to be interviewed, except for Felicia Day. We knew that going in because her schedule was tight. Right. And she doesn't seem to be doing a lot of interviews now anyways. Not a big deal. We interviewed her before. I would love to spend more time with her, but you know how it is. Yes. And you shut up because you got a picture with her. We'll talk about that later. We will. Oh, okay. Oh, we will. <laughs> uh, but when we got to the con, or actually the day before the con, we got a call saying, oh, man, I got bad news uh, Giancarlo Esposito, he's coming in late, so our interview was canceled, and we weren't sure we were able to get that interview scheduled. And so, um, Miles and David were somewhere else. I just went up to the table. I said, "Hey, we were supposed to interview this this morning. I was wondering if we could have a little bit of your time, maybe this afternoon, to do an interview." And he agreed. Not long. He said, "Oh, I can give you about five minutes." And I confirmed that when we mm-hmm. got sat down with him. Said. So can we do five or ten minutes? He goes, oh, yeah, five minutes. Okay. So we just, you know, we always like to respect the actors. Sure. And respect the guests. And so we have literally, it's going to be about a five-minute interview with the bumper that you heard at the very beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any other thoughts on Giancarlo as you were? Uh, yeah, uh, just he, he is a talent, though. I mean, he, he's, he's, his, his background is, is the stage and I think musicals. Um, very impressive resume in IMDb. Like 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 Scott said earlier, not a lot of sci-fi. It's only been in the last few years that we've seen him do um, more in, in the sci-fi world. Yeah, and, and because of that, someone said that this was his first convention. Interesting. It was his first convention, much like Laurie Holden when we interviewed her. It was her first convention. Right. You just don't do conventions unless you're kind of in the sci-fi circuit and occasionally in horror and maybe soap opera type stuff, mm-hmm. but not a lot of convention. But sci-fi fans are kind of a unique breed. Oh, that, that we are. <laughs> that, that we are. And so, you know, it's kind of unique for him to be there. And it was good to have him there. I think he enjoyed himself. Uh, I went to, to one of his sessions uh, where people were asking questions, and he seemed to be having a good time. Very good, very good. So... I guess without further ado, we're going to share this little this little Divya interview. Uh, it might go on record as being the shortest interview that we did ever. Right. I don't know. She he's competing with Starbuck. Um, we when we did Katie Sackoff, we interviewed her in the bar during the World Soccer the, the World Cup at Shoreleave. That was uh, an experience, that, and that was short. Uh, this will be a clearer and more focused interview. <laughs> that, that's right. Uh, we were in a room by ourselves, so we won't have uh, the bar noises. Yep, absolutely. So without any further ado, here is our interview with Giancarlo Esposito. Art Esposito. Take it. 
don't let anybody know that you have it. If anything happens to me, just do what I told you. Stay off the road. They're going to be looking for it. Keep it safe. Do you understand? Then nothing is going to happen. Aaron, please. My God. What a beautiful village. This must be a mistake. We already paid our spring taxes. Oh, this is not about your crops. We're not here with the local garrison. Do you know a Ben Matheson? You're looking at him. What's this about? Miles Matheson? He's your brother? That's right. Where is Miles? I haven't seen him in years. What's this about? I'm here under the orders of General Sebastian Monroe himself. He personally asked me to find two men. You and your brother. Hold on just a second. I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to come with us under the authority of the Monroe Republic. Why? Do I have to repeat myself? I just don't understand. Here's what you need to understand. I have been searching for you for a very long time through mud and filth away from my home and my wife and my bed. So I'm in a mood. I'm sure you can understand that. So do yourself a favor and climb in that wagon. Or so help me, I will conscript all of your children and I will re-educate them until they no longer remember your names. Are we clear? May I have a moment? Maggie, I'm gonna go with him. No, you can't go. I need you to look after my kids. No. It's gonna be okay. No, he Maggie, won't come it's back. Okay. Ben, no, be it's okay. not going to be okay. You can't take him. Danny, stop. I suppose this is your boy. And my daddy didn't do anything. Right. Danny, put it down. You don't want any trouble, just Easy go, now. please. Danny, look at me. T tell him to put his gun down. Put his gun. Tell him to put his Danny, gun down. I said put it down. This kid's got a point, Ben! Thought they put theirs down. Sir, owning a firearm is a hanging offense. So go hang yourself. Caleb, think about it. I swear to God, I'll shoot him. Put it down. Can you just leave us alone, please? Just go. We'll just forget about it. Danny, we'll just forget. listen to me. Put it down. Danny, stop. You need to do what they say. Put it down. Back up. Stop. Put that thing stop. down. Back up. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at uh, Far Point 23, and we're hanging out with Mr. Uh, John Carlo Esposito, known for his, his uh, critically acclaimed work in uh, Breaking Bad, and uh, most recently uh, playing Major Tom Neville into the J.J. Abrams-produced uh, Revolution. Um, Mr. Esposito, welcome, and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Pleasure, pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. Um, can you please tell us how you got the role of, of uh, Tom Neville? You know, I was actually up in Vancouver working on a show called Once Upon a Time when I got a call uh, that J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams would like me to read for a piece that he was doing. 
And uh, so I, I, I was working every single day and didn't have any idea of when I could get up to the Vancouver, the Canadian casting director. And I, I did get a moment and I went in and, and read this part who was described as a genteel southern gentleman. And she started giving me some, some direction about how to do it, maybe do it this way, maybe do it this way. I said, sure, no problem. Uh, but I like what you're doing. Uh, and I walked out of there feeling like, okay, I'm going to get an opportunity to probably go and test for this role, which is normally what happens with actors, and they go up for pilots. And uh, I didn't hear anything for 24 hours, and then it was 48 hours, and I thought, oh, that's pretty odd. I, I could have swore that I was going to get this job. And then I got a call 48 hours later saying, uh, uh, they've, they've made you an offer. They want to start negotiating. They've already gone to the network and pre-approved you that I want you to test, and you're the first person they're going to hire. So it was a great win situation auditioning for this particular job. Oh, mm -hmm. Very good. Neville is one bad dude, but, but what I like about Neville is he's not just your one-dimensional bad guy. We see his journey from just before the blackout happened and to where he is now. Did you have anything to draw inspiration for him, or did you have to rely on the script and, and your own choices and, as an actor to create him? Well, during the pilot, they don't really have a Bible or a book yet, so uh, I did have some conversations with the, our wonderful writer and creator, Eric Kripke, and uh, I, I did want, uh, when Eric said to me, maybe he is an insurance adjuster, and maybe he has a past life. And I, in my mind, I thought, well, he'd be uh, the number two guy to own the company. He, he, you know, and judging from where our first pilot script was going with Neville's uh, personality. And uh, when Eric did finally get around to writing that um, flashback and had him being very meek and very mild, I thought it was really quite brilliant mm -hmm. that he was actually something very different than what we've seen now, and thus the reason he's emerged as such a powerful man. Mm -hmm. I think he's probably the most interesting character in the whole show right now myself. I would have to agree. Uh, Eric was most excited when I agreed to do this part. He said, you know, we have so much storyline for uh, Captain Neville. Mm -hmm. He is our favorite character in the writer's room. And I said, wow, that's pretty fantastic. And sure enough, I think he's right. Mm -hmm. I've just done uh, eight webisodes uh, no, excuse me, five webisodes that'll be airing uh, uh, prior to our return March 25th. And I think you're really going to really enjoy those because they even delve further into the background of, of uh, uh, now Major Neville, who when we began was Captain Neville, and who in the beginning was Lieutenant Neville. Mm -hmm. So he's progressed with the ranks. Yeah, it, uh, the character's still progressing, it's still growing, and I now I understand uh, what Eric said to be true and absolutely honest, that uh, they really do have a quite a bit of uh, ways to go with, uh, with this character. So from Simon Glass and, Mi and Mirror Mirror in Once Upon a Time into Neville, you're kind of the sidekick to the major villain in a sense. Uh, is there, is there, how do those roles compare? I mean, how does that, is that, is someday would you like to take on the role as a major villain? I mean, how does that all work for you? Well, I joke with Eric that uh, we should uh, change that M to an end, and it should become Neville World. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, for me as an actor, sure, I, I would love to be in David's shoes running the militia, but there's something very interesting about being, um, you know, Major Neville. And the interesting thing is that I can be uh, subservient to him. You can see me in many different shades of gray as a character. In the field, I can be much more powerful than he is because I do my own killing. <laughs> and right. He doesn't necessarily do that very often. So, uh, in a way, when I, the more I think about it, the more it gives me a more vulnerable position, but also a position that's much more versatile. Right, and multidimensional in a way. Multidimensional because you don't, you can't. There's a part where you 
he's not all bad. No, he's not all bad. And I think you, you see the crack in his armor throughout what we've done in the first season. You'll continue to see that, that he does have a heart underneath it, and he really is human. Um, some of my best work, I, I believe, so far is with the actors on the show is the collaboration with uh, David Lyons, who plays Monroe. Uh, we have a really great chemistry, uh, very much like the chemistry I had um, with Lana Perilla in, in Once Upon a Time. So uh, I'm in a fairly good position to either take over uh, or get out of Dodge, <laughs> or get out of Dodge and come back and take over. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for sitting out and chatting with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Oh, real really pleasure to be here. Thank you. back we hope you ensure we, we hope you enjoyed our short interview with Giancarlo Esposito but before we go we have some memories of this year's 2012 2013 con if I can get it right here and these are top far point moments and um, Miles kind of compiled this list and I'm going to just chime in because Miles spent more of the time at the con than I did okay so and uh, and we can maybe talk about it and just break break de- break down. Well, number five is is the panels. Um, the panels are always a lot of fun. Um, they're geared towards one show or or a theme in sci-fi um, or a season in a show. There was one of the last ones I would like to have gone to, but I was just too tired. Uh, in Star Trek: The Burdens of Command. So they'll focus on that and talk about you know that. Um, what other ones did you see? The, there was the D Space Nine um, one on on the minor characters, but talk about well, they, there really are no minor characters. They may have less screen time, but they're all important. Um, the, the Game of Thrones uh, recap, and um, trying to think if I got to any other ones. No, I think that was it. Um, uh, obviously, the Fringe panel you were at the Fringe panel, and, and I also went to the Farragut panel. Um, uh-huh. The Farragut panel, the, the, where they debuted. Um, they're, they're filming some shorts, about maybe about ten fifteen minutes long. And they had one called uh, Night Shift, uh, and they focused on some, um, you know, some some of the minor characters on, on, on the ship. Um, so it's a nice little episode. So yeah, the, the panels are always great. If you go to a con, check out the panels. Yeah, we of course did our live show there. We actually recorded our first listener feedback episode ever live, and I thought that went really well. Uh, yes, uh, not a large audience, but the audience we did have was interacting, and that kind of made it cool for once. We of course shared that with you. You guys heard it if you listened to our listener feedback shows. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, very cool. I was very glad. It was very nice to be in the panels. In fact, I did not sit in any panels I wasn't in. So the two panels I did sit in because I was there for a limited time were those two panels. To make up for short leave. Yeah, make up for short leave. Okay, number four, Miles. Number four on my list is, is is the costumes. Some really good costumes this year. There's always great costumes, but uh, the pe- people who who get up in costume, they they put a you know effort and money in them. Some of them compete in the masquerade. Um, it, it's a chance for them a weekend, you know, as adults to just 
escape and have fun. And, Absolutely. And a lot of them do. It's so uh, Hana Solo, right? We saw Hana Solo. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the others. Um, well, uh, fans of Spaceballs, will, uh, there was a female barf. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. And, of course, beside the TARDIS, there were like four versions of Doctor Who running around. That is true. Um, in that, tons of Stormtroopers, tons mm-hmm. of Mandalorians. Right. Um, um, the Imperial Guard. I saw Darth Vader um, yeah. and a Snowtrooper. Um, Having a little fun. This is where they're getting a little comedic. Um, oh, with the whole coconut, you know. And the, the, the uh, let's see, the um, it's the um, quest for the holy the Monty Python's quest for the Holy Grail, the, yeah. the, the little the whole fake horse uh, thing. Yeah, with the coconuts. Yeah, and so and, uh, so that was kind of cool. They were doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I saw, saw some great costumes. A uh, young lady, one well, no, she dressed up as Iron Man, and uh, I don't know what she used. Whether it was a cardboard paper mache. I mean, it was you know, but it was in layers, so it was a lot of effort, and and the, the hands lit up, and and so wow. I think she won that one, the one at the masquerade. Well, she should have for all the work she put into that. But mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things I am never dressed up for a con, mm-hmm. um, but I admire and have respect for people who are willing to get out there and do that. Right. I mean, that's something that you know. It, some people might make fun of that. I say, you know what? More power to you. You know, you're going to a con and have fun this weekend. It's a chance to escape, have a little fun. People can't make fun of it because people will go and watch TV and will watch football, and you see the people dressed up in the stands. It is absolutely no different than going to a con. I, I, I agree. They paint their chests in big letters or mm-hmm. faces. Mm-hmm. They wear big horns for Viking. I mean. They're geeking out just as much as we yeah, are. We're just doing it in a sci-fi way. They're just doing it in a football way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not there's not much of a difference in my opinion. But yeah, so uh, we saw a lot. I mean, many many genre sci-fi represent yeah. Battlestar Galactica, um, new and classic, um, Stargate. We saw people dressed up in, in, in Stargate Commandos, yeah. So it was yeah. The, so the, the costumes are always fun to see. I took lots of pictures. If you go to our Facebook page, there's I try tons. To, I, I try to get as many up there as possible. Right. Well, talking about dressing up, our number three kind of plays right into that. There was these two guys that dressed up as TNG-era Klingons. And they they looked sharp. The costumes were good. They, they looked like they walked off the set of one exactly. of the TV shows. They were exactly. that good. I mean, th- these costumes cost bucks, but, I mean, they looked fantastic. But not only were these costumes good, these guys these guys are just there to have fun. And Oh, and boy, were they ever. Uh, and, you know they were there to have fun, and if they could entertain, you know they were up for you know people you know people want to take their picture. They were up for that, uh, but there was this. They had a thriller lesson, right? And then they then they, they were doing it, and well, the Klingons joined in. Boy, and did it! It was funny to watch the Klingons doing thriller. It, it was hilarious. They and if you go to our Facebook page, we posted one of our we our have a video, video. video. about forty second video of them dancing to Thriller. Yes, but uh, let let but. Not only that, um, later in the evening, uh, the Klingons um, wore stormtrooper uh, armor and gear. Right. I mean, talk about a mixing of the two genres. Now they didn't have the helmets on, which you, which you would have to, you know, so they could you could tell it was the Klingons, but it was, you had the Klingons walking around in, in stormtrooper gear. <laughs> yeah, it was so. quite fun. And, and earlier in that day, they were actually posing in front of the TARDIS. Yes, with their batlets. Yeah. Well, you know, and there wasn't wasn't there a Doctor Who Star Trek crossover somewhere in the in comic the, book series? Yes, there, there, so, there, I mean, there, there's an ongoing one that's now. What, that's what it is, and the, and there's always jokes about Star Wars and Star Trek. So come on, they, they, they played that. They played that up. So these these guys were fantastic. I, I hope they come for sure. Leave. They, they were, uh, like I said, um, 
they were up for anything. They were to have fun and, and help everybody else have fun too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's move into our guests. What is, what, tell me about the guests. What made, what made Farpoint guests this year? Well, they, they, these are some of the fan, fan favorites. Uh, Lee Ehrenberg was a fan favorite, and he is very entertaining on stage. Uh, he, 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 you know, uh, funny, funny guy, uh, but also very, very accessible. Um, you know, get a picture. He was open for pictures and whatever, or he just hanging out the bar Friday night. I saw him just hanging out the bar, just, just, just chilling. Um, he, he, he's just a guy, you know, and he, he told a story at, at, at his, uh, uh, panel about, um, he, he was going to school with, uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier's brother and they were doing, he was, it was, for, it was a theater program and, you know, uh, he, he, I guess he called him, you know, Sir, Sir Lawrence or whatever. He said, no, just call me Larry. So he's, you know, so he's just a dude. He just, right. so, uh, not, not very unpretentious, um, uh, we 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 got the privilege that, that John Billingsley was able to come this year. He was supposed to come a couple of years ago, um, but uh, him and his wife uh, uh, John Billingsley uh, and Benita Friederici both came. Their their last panel Sunday late afternoon was funny as anything. I mean, these two um, they're, they're very talented. I mean, they they definitely have a comedy thing going. I mean, um, I I hope they get more work and people just take their. But but as far as entertaining the fans, they they were just great. They were up for anything. Um, uh, we, we, even though she was only there Saturday, she was still great. Um, your girl, uh, Felicia Day. Yeah, my girl, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I'm uh, not the one with a picture, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But, uh, you know, she was only there Saturday. I mean, she was there Friday night for the... Um, the Prometheus Radio Theater. Right, so, yeah. you know, you, you were there Friday, got to, you know, she, she, was, she was there for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was up for pictures and just, just hanging out and talking. Um, and then uh, we had um, uh, Rob Paulson, uh, the, the man of uh, many. You liked boys. interviewing him, didn't you? He was so much fun, and he was just a nice guy. And um, you know, he's been doing this for thirty years. Just, just a nice guy. Um, it, it, you know, I can't wait to hear the interview with him. But if he's at a con, you, you, you know, he he would be fun to see. It'd be worth your while. I can't wait to hear the interview. And and John Carl Esposito. I mean, this is a very you know this actor. Um, Revolution right now. Uh, he, he his work on Breaking Bad has been critically acclaimed. Um, even though it was a short interview, it was a good interview. Was, he's a nice guy. Enjoyed his panel. So they had a really good list of guests this year. Um, these cons usually can't get the Patrick Stewarts or, or William Shatner's, but they try to get the really good guests of our favorite shows. And uh, Farpoint did a good job this year. Yeah, and we enjoy it. We enjoy talking to them. We we did. And number one on my list is, is just meeting up with old friends uh, like 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 John Heather. Um, we only got to see him maybe twice a year, but it, you know John and I hung out at the bar Friday night just uh, um, just 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 talking about everything. So um, so that, that that's always my uh, you know that's usually my number one is just you know, just seeing old friends. Yeah, and I unfortunately just got to talk with him briefly because of my short time there. But mm-hmm. uh, Neil, we got to see Neil again, and Neil's. Neil- Yes, Neil. Neil joined us for the fringe panel, and um, good times. He, with he him. contributed a lot to that. Uh, I love him. chatting with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw Wayne Hall and uh, Betsy. Uh, Betsy. Oh, yeah, and Sharon. Mm-hmm. So Steve Wilson. There's some good people that run that con that we just kind of connect with as well. So it's it's always you know twice a year we get to see them, but it's always like a little family reunion. It is. It's very much like that. And I have to have an honorable mention. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We we all know that you know. Felicia Day is, is, is Scott's girl. You know, he just uh, uh, holds a little candle for her. But um, 
I, I thought, and I wasn't, wasn't sure if she was charging for pictures or not, but uh, so I checked, and she was, you know, if you want to get a picture with her with your own camera, she, you know, no charge. And so, um, if you've been on our Facebook page, you see I have a nice, lovely picture with the lovely Felicia Day. Yeah, I wasn't the only one hating on you, mind you. Yes, I got a lot of hate from from you know other other guys that you know just the the, the jealousy and vitriol that that, that 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 inspired. That that's what happens when you start goading me, man. All uh, my peeps come out and say, "Look, <laughs> yeah. uh, I I do have another a couple more. I, I do have at least one other honorable mention here, and that is another one. And this was uh, so we're getting ready. I think we're getting ready to go into our the live sci-fi diner recording mm-hmm. that we did. And we're standing outside the room, getting waiting for the other panel to wrap up. And we look down the hall, and outside, I see Steve Wilson, who we've had on the show. He's the guy that kind of runs Farpoint, right? Right. And he is outside, and he is locked out of the convention. <laughs> he is locked out. And so he doesn't have his key card. That's his thing. And the door is locked, so he can't get in. And it was cold outside, it too. It was cold, and so I did let him in. I did not make him suffer, but it was. I thought it was kind of funny that... The guy that runs the convention is kind of locked out of his own con. And we love you, Steve. I'm not yeah. making fun of you, but it was just kind of a funny moment there that I kind of just laughed at. Uh, I do have one more honorable mention. Um, it was it was reported a few months ago that uh, uh, sci-fi comic book writer Peter David ha- suffered a stroke. And um, and because that was unlikely to come to Farpoint. He, he's always at Farpoint. Right. Uh, but he made it this year. Um, he, had, he, had a, he had a cane, but... Um, from what I understand, I mean, he, he you know he did panels, his his wit and sense of humor were still there, and so it was great to see you know you know Peter David uh, reco- you know recovering from this and, and still you know being able to take part in the con. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so anything else from Farpoint? I believe that that's a good. That's a, those are some good moments. I, I think we'll leave at that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to share your sci-fi five and five. You can just email us them. It can be, we're talking about our con. It could be your favorite con moment if you went to a con. It could be the movies that you're looking forward to, movies that you liked, your worst sci-fi movies of all time, your best musical soundtrack, anything you want to take, anything. Our request is only that five things in about five minutes. And uh, you can call in at 1-888-508-4343 and just leave a voicemail message with that information. Or you can send us an MP3 uh, or handwrite it, or not, I guess type it in, and we'll read it. And you can do that at sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. We do have two others. We have Colin sent one in about movies that he's looking forward to this year. We're going to read that one next. And then Raul just sent one in his top five things about Fringe. Hmm. So we got a little bit more Fringe here. We're always loving on some Fringe. Oh, yeah. So... so uh, so we uh, guys, we'll get to yours uh, in the upcoming episodes, and uh, but there, we would love to have more from some of you that are out there that maybe not, maybe you haven't contributed before. We are listening here to Diner, and we want to hear from you, Miles. I believe that's about it. All right. As we wrap up this show, you can find us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast dot com site. Obviously, on Facebook, uh, find us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. You just have to search for us, and we're there. We have a thriving community in there that discusses all sorts of things, and uh, including hating on Miles for posting a picture of him and Felicia Day. Man, the, the hate. I just can't believe it. Yeah, hate. the vitriol, right? Um, I believe that's about it, Miles. Why don't you take us out? Till next time, good night and good luck. We will see you. <laughs>